welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Aaron Carter. Aaron is a professor and the Orville Vogel Endowed Chair of Winter Wheat Breeding and Genetics at WSU. His breeding program focuses on the development of high-yielding, high-quality wheat varieties with resistance to both biotic and abiotic stresses in Washington production regions. He uses a combination of traditional breeding methods along with new technologies such as genomic selection and high-throughput phenotyping to accomplish this. Aaron also teaches undergraduate courses in plant breeding and plant science. Hello, Aaron. Hi, Drew. Thanks for having me today. Ah, thanks for coming on. It's been a while. We've we've just figured out, yeah, so it's good it to have you on. Yeah, no, it's good to be back. I always enjoy it. And yeah, my grad students have been uh, giving some updates the past few years, so I thought it was time I got back. Oh, we're glad to have you. So um, your winter wheat research program received just over $561,000 in funding from the Washington Grain Commission in the current fiscal year. Uh, what do these funds allow you to do that just wouldn't happen if you didn't have that kind of funding support? Yeah, there's a lot of different things that we do with the funding. Um, one thing that we do is we make sure we're able to genotype all our varieties so that we can perform genomic selection on that. So, you know, that takes a person and resources to be able to to genotype that many lines um, and analyze them every year. Um, and then a, a lot of it's just a, the logistics of our state. As you know, we're very diverse east to west and north to south. Um, and this allows us to be able to put research plots in each of those environments. You know, we, we get all the way up to Douglas County with our snow mold plots. We're down in, in Walla Walla and, you know, everywhere in between. So just because of the diversity of the state that way through the climate and the number of diseases that we're looking at, um, it really allows us to get that testing in the field um, at all those different locations, um, you know, and that just means, you know, undergraduates to help us maintain all the plots, research personnel to travel there, do the planting. So really a lot of that funding goes to the people um, that because we're we're in those multiple locations, we just need the people to go help manage those. Okay. You mentioned genotyping. What, what does genotyping all these things allow you to do that that you wouldn't be able to do without it. Yeah, genotyping allows us to do um, future predictions. So we can look at past performance. Um, and the analogy I always use is like football, if you think about football. So we go in and we can look at the genetics in this football analogy, the genetics of all of our NFL players, the all-star team, the MVP. So we look at those genetics and we run an analysis that helps us understand what based on their genetics makes them excellent football players. And then we go to the high school level and we genotype all the high school players. And based on their genotype and what we know about future NFL players, we can say based on your genotype, you're predicted to have good performance or predicted to have poor performance, moving those that are predicted to have good performance on 
Um, and so we do the same with the wheat varieties. You know, all the wheat varieties that have been successful, we know the the genetics that helps make them successful. So we look for that in our first year trials. And then, you know, it helps us more efficiently advance lines that have a, a better prediction to do better. Okay. I hope we haven't just instructed uh, parents of teenagers to go out and have their kids genotyped here, but no, 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 no. <laughs> that's a, that's, it's a good analogy. Yeah. It's a good analogy because people understand it, but that's why we work with plants too, because, you know, we're, we're able to do this with a lot of the ethical considerations that, you know, we would never do this on humans. Right. So it just allows you to move through a lot more um, material more quickly having the genotype. Yeah. With, with, extra information, right? So if I have 3000 lines that are my first year in the field and they do really well in 2022, well, that was a long cold season. And, and so I can pick what is, does well in that current season, but I don't know how it'll do yet in a hot dry season or a hot short season, you know, whatever other variation might come. So it kind of gives me that extra data point. I know how it did in season that year, but then also gives me this prediction value that says how well would it do in all these other environments that we know about and the genetics. You, you, does that make sense? Yeah. So, so we can kind of do the both because there's sometimes we have lines that do spectacular in one year and I get really excited about it. And then I grow it the next year. Eh, it's average. And the next year, eh, average. It just really did good in that one year. So I've used all these resources to carry along these lines that did great in that one year, but really don't have the genetic backing to perform well across multiple years, multiple environments. Um, and so this allows us to look at that prediction and say, oh, you did great this year and you've got the genetics. Let's advance you. Or, oh, you did poor this year and you've got bad genetics right? We're going to throw you away. So, so it helps us, it helps us just, you know, advance lines with more confidence than just that one field season that we typically get that first year. Okay. So genotyping is one tool, let's say, what other exciting new tools are you using in your breeding program? Yeah. So we've also used a lot of the high throughput phenotyping, which we've talked about before. I think my grad students anyway, have talked about this. They've been researching this a lot with me. Um, and it, it basically is going on the same theory of prediction, but instead of using the genomics and, and the genetics of the line, we're using what we can see on that, that high throughput phenotyping. Um, and again, it's to try and cover um, this diversity of climates uh, that we have in the environment, but then also just from year to year, right? 2020 was our best year, and then all of a sudden we went to 2021, which was our worst year. Um, and it's hard to select varieties across that. So as we've been doing this phenotyping over the past six years, we've now got a really good database, again, of lines that are performing, that are performing well in every environment, that are performing well every year. And we have their, uh, their phenotype, uh, what they look like, how they're performing, how they're responding to the environment. So we can, again, make predictions with that phenotype on how they might do in an in a unexperienced year. Okay. So I think a lot of people probably know genotypes. You're looking at the gene phenotype. What are you, what, what really are you looking at when you say you're phenotyping something? Yeah. So, so we look at everything you would traditionally phenotype, plant height, heading date, grain yield, test weight, um, end use quality. But then what our drones really allow us to do with our sensors is look at spectral data. And so that's how 
the plant is interacting with with the sunlight, how much light it's absorbing, what light it's reflecting. Um, so if a plant is is drought stressed, it will reflect certain light, absorb different light than if it's a super healthy plant. Um, and so this allows us to understand what plants are are um, accessing more water in a drought year, what plants are staying green longer throughout the year, what plants are just healthier on a nutritional uh, status. Um, and so that's what the spectral data adds in there, which, like I say, helps us understand how they're interacting with the environment more than just, you know, heading date or plant height. Okay. So you're using drones to collect this imagery in the field. Do you do anything in the greenhouse or growth chambers along that line, or is it pretty much field? Yeah, not right now. You know, we have a few experiments in in the greenhouse testing things. We've been uh, working with some other groups testing if satellites can help us. Um, but as far as breeding program and plot level information, it's all drones. I'm forgetting what, what student it was of yours, but talk to us about... Um looking at wheat varieties that might be more competitive with weeds. And I, I think he mentioned that you're able to kind of look at early season growth and see which one's really, because that's important for wheat competition. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so that's another another thing that we get with this is canopy closure. So we can we can look and see what, what plants have more canopy closure at a given time point okay. um, in the season. Yeah, for the same thing, if, if it can be more competitive. Okay. So what are some of the other projects your graduate students are working on these days? Yeah, right now we're working a lot. We're, you know, all of this is a progression. Um, so we kind of solved that, you know, genetic issue. We now, then we moved on to the drones and the sensors. So now we're moving on um, to to be able to include all of the weather data as well. Um, so you know, we've got the Ag WeatherNet system that that is very close to a lot of our research plots. Where we don't have those, uh, we partnered with a Meter Group to get some more weather sensors that are the same Ag WeatherNet uses that we put in in our location. So all of our locations now have great weather data associated with them. So now we're adding that next component. Not, you know, now I'm not just saying, well, it was a cool wet year, but I can say it was cool until June 15th and then it warmed up and we got precipitation on June 25th for five days and this much precipitation came and now understand how the plants are responding to those individual uh, weather patterns at each location, um, which not only will help us better understand that in-season variation, right? So again, right, we call it our low rainfall plantings that go everywhere from Colotus, Lind, Ritzville, Harrington, Davenport, uh, Almira, Douglas, right? That's that's low rainfall, but that's a lot of variation still. And so it'll help us understand varieties, how they're performing at each of those locations based on that individual weather data. And then again, as you build a big enough database for that, then you can again start making predictions and say, what would happen to this variety if we got a late season rain or if we had early season rain or you know drought throughout the season? Um, that I think will help us build better varieties and select better varieties that can withstand this weather variation that we're seeing, right? We're, we've had the past five years, we've seen just about everything. Um, and we need varieties that can withstand that and still be the top performing varieties regardless of what the weather gives us. So it gives the grower that added benefit of, you know, I can I can plant this variety and it doesn't matter if it rains next year or is a drought year, it's still going to be the best option that I have where previously they were always rolling the dice and picking the variety based on what they thought was going to come next year. 
Okay. Yeah, I think, you know, I probably saw this more in Nebraska, western Nebraska, than I have in, in, in Washington. But, uh, you know, just like two or three days of hot, windy weather would just, at the at the wrong time, could cause all sorts of havoc. Yeah. Uh, and so having a variety that can exactly two or three days of stress some at some critical point. Yeah. So that's what that weather data allows us to do is really dig into each environment. Yeah. Look for those anomalies that we might see, whether it was a rain event or a drought event or a heat stress, and then pair that up with varieties that are still able to yield well in the face of that. And we've just never really, like I mentioned before, we've just never really dug in that far. We just make these big generalities about what the year looked like but don't really pay attention to the specifics. And th that's where that's where we're headed with this project. I think our ability to, to deal with huge data sets is getting better and better because it would have been <laughs> almost oh, yeah. impossible to do that just yeah. five, 10 years ago. Yeah, right? exactly, right. The computing power we have now allows us to, yeah, look at multiple variables at the same time. So, so what are you working on uh, today that might be beneficial to growers, say, five years down the road? Yeah, I mean, I think everything I've been talking about is going to be beneficial as we select new varieties with these new new protocols in place. Uh, you know, probably the biggest thing we've been talking a lot about um, herbicide resistance. Uh, maybe it's not five years away, but right, we're really thinking about trying to identify new uh, mechanisms of resistance. Right, we've got Clearfield, we've got Coaxium, um, which we know those are starting to fail. Uh, her weeds are already resistant to both those uh, chemistries that are used in those systems. Um, so looking to try and identify some new systems. Um, like I say, it may take a while to get the breeding down, but that's really what we're working on um, right now. I think that, like I say, that I haven't mentioned before, but I think it's going to be beneficial coming up. Okay. Can you tell us a, a little bit more about that or is that still <laughs> under wraps until you've got it uh, yeah, a little I farther mean, along? Yeah, some of it's under wraps still. We've got a couple of chemistries I think we're we're working on, um, you know, partnering a lot with, with uh, Dr. Burke on that. Um, and then, uh, you know, some of it's just going to be some new screening. Um, we were able to partner with the University of Idaho. They had developed a, a mutant population in the soft white wheat uh, Brundage. Um, and so we're, we're planning on doing some increases on that to get enough seed to screen it for some new chemistries that might be beneficial. And why I'm really excited about that is because it's a soft white, right? Like when we worked with the coaxium trait, we were bringing it in from a hard red winter from Colorado, right? And so to take that and turn it into a soft white wheat from, to, for Washington, you know, it takes a number of years just to get your basic traits back, let alone the performance of the the system you're really interested in. So starting with a line like Brundage that we know already has good Endies quality, it's already adapted and it's already the right market class. Uh, once we identify that resistance, we can transfer it more easily into a soft white background. Um, so that's, you know, there's, there's various things going on. We're kind of still, since we just recently got this population, we're still kind of in discussions about, you know, what, what chemistries would be best. We need to get you involved in this too. Um, you know, what chemistries are going to be best with our rotations? You know, you don't want to pick a chemistry that is going to mess up a canola rotation or a pea rotation or something. So, um, it's really in the start project. Like I say, it's not maybe the, the five years away, okay, it's a little farther. um, but but I think it's really what we need right now to to help maintain our system and be more sustainable. Okay, I was out uh, on the on several uh, variety plot tours this past summer, and coaxium wheat 
kept coming up. I know you've uh, you're moving some some material through, getting pretty close. Do you, you have some released? Yeah, uh, yeah, we have a line that we released this summer. Uh, it's named Nova AX. Um, and so, of course, with that recent release, we were able to do a uh, an, a second increase on it. Uh, so we were able to move it along a little bit and and had some some uh, uh, tens of thousands of pounds that we were able to get to the seed companies. So they'll be doing their increases, and I would expect it on some limited limited availability next fall and more widely available from them in two years as they increase the seed. Okay. Anything else coming along in the coaxium? area? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's in a soft white background. We're continuing to work in the soft white backgrounds and, and also in some hard red um, backgrounds. But yeah, right now it's just a lot about continued improvement. Um, you know, like I mentioned, we, we took a hard red and made it a soft white. Um, we worked really hard to make sure we got the quality there. So the quality on this line is excellent, you know, and worked really hard to make sure it was going to be, you know, a good, broadly adapted line. So we, we really tried not to cut many corners on the testing, right? We wanted to make sure it was going to still be a good line for the growers. Um, and then it's just the continued improvement on that, adding in additional sources of resistance. So like snow mold, right? We need to get something with a really good snow mold resistance. This line we have now is more intermediate. So, right, we got we to gotta work on a line for that and work on a line for soil-borne wheat mosaic virus and, right, just all these other traits that we have to put in. And now that we've got a good base of a soft white that we can use for our introgression, now we can go out and cross that to a number of other lines with with specific traits and make selections. Okay, so sounds like lots of uh, new things in the in the winter wheat breeding program here at WSU. Um, can growers go somewhere to see some of the things you're up to? Do you have a website or do you put out a a newsletter or something uh, that people could get a hold of? Yeah, uh, most everything we've got is on our website. Um, so it has a list of our, our varieties and links to descriptions about them. Some of the newer varieties, we're, we're in the final process of getting those links um, active. Um, but yeah, it talks, you know, it mentions some of the other articles we've been publishing, other podcasts okay. I've been doing. Um, so yeah, they can really go there um, to see some of these other things we've been working okay. on. Okay, and what's you know what the URL on that oh, man, is? Oh, man, I don't know the URL. Okay. I think just just search my name and WSU, and I'm usually the first one that pops up. We'll, we'll find it and put it in our show notes okay. so yeah. uh, listeners can go to that. Aaron, always good to have you on. Please try to get back here before another two or three years pass and because yeah. uh, there's lots of interest in your program, Winter Wheat's king around here and uh, yep. people are very interested in what you're doing yeah no no we yeah we understand that and yeah as you heard we got a lot going on because of that i'm really trying to get the growers good varieties and yeah i'll definitely make it more like i say i had my graduate students trying to get some experience and they've been doing awesome work um with this genomic and phenomic selection i was talking about so i, I felt they needed to tell their story also but you, you've trained some really outstanding students over the past few years who have been guests on this show and yeah we appreciate that but yeah i'll make sure I, i'll make sure i get back more frequently okay thanks thanks for joining us and listening to the wsu wheat beat podcast if you like what you hear don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on itunes or your favorite podcast app if you have questions or topics you'd like to hear in future episodes please email me 
at drew.lyon. That's L-Y-O-N at W-S-U dot E-D-U. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.